hello everybody. Um, welcome back to the MIR podcast section. Today we welcome journalist Carmina Constantino Torres. Um, hello, Carmina. Hi, Ines. Um, very happy to be with you today. Thank you. So, Carmina is the incumbent Marshall McLuhan Fellow awarded by the Embassy of Canada in the Philippines in 2022 for her quote unflinching commitment to speak truth to power and admirable consistency in ferreting out the most complicated issues of the day and a stirring courage to ask the toughest questions, end of quote. Um, Ms. Constantino Torres is a broadcast journalist and TV and radio news anchor for the Philippine-based ABS-CBN Corp. Carmina is in Canada to give lectures and, re and presentations about the role of the journalists in critical public discourse and in seeking accountability in a post-truth era in the Philippines. And that's basically the, sec the subject we'll be focusing on today. Okay, so my, my first question for you um, would mm -hmm. be that I noticed that um, you introduced your speech with a montage of several images including social media extracts. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very interesting because in today's world, um, where information is everywhere and, text and takes all kinds of form, with the use of social media, do you think that social media and journalism can coexist? And do you think that they, they need each other to bring a certain balance? And if yes, to what extent? Because mm -hmm. um, in the past few years, social media have been instrumentalized by political parties and or politicians. And you also talk about that um, in your presentation. And do you feel like this makes them less viable than traditional media and press? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a great question right there. First of all, I don't think it's a question anymore. Um, I think... It can coexist, although that when, when you think about it, social media is actually the death of legacy media. It's like writing the death of legacy media. But I think we're at a point wherein we haven't been wiped out yet entirely. Um, and there is a way to, to coexist, not so much as platforms, right? But in so much as, um, you know, the principles that we have coming from legacy media and the And the, the new dynamics that we're seeing in social media, wherein there's no accountability yet, the responsibility, for example, of vloggers and, and content providers are only to themselves and not to the public that they serve. I, mean, I think that's where legacy media comes in. Um, the diligence, um, the discipline, um, the principles that we uphold has to coexist with what is currently happening on social media, because if we just join the fray and just be where they are um, without necessarily holding on to the principles and the ideals that we uphold, then that's going to be the death of us, right? So yes, I, I think it can coexist um, and it should actually coexist now, especially since um, we have a lot of politicians back home who have disregarded demonized um, legacy media in favor of social media because that's where they can lay out their propaganda without any challenge to, to what they're saying, right? It's like a free-for-all reign for them. 
it's like bringing a kid to a candy store and they're and they're free to pick and choose right without any parent or any or any guardian saying no you're not supposed to have that chocolate that's one too many gumballs or that's a lot of gummy bears for you now um that's what's happening um when 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 politicians now see how they can manipulate social media uh, to further gain um um more support from the public that they're supposed to to serve um so that's when we come in that's when our principles come in to say wait a minute um you're not entirely speaking the truth here mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but but as you know i mean you give me as many number of politicians that you can and i can assure you that there are as many a uh, number of youtube channels as well that they've created just to further their propaganda so it can coexist it is coexisting for now um but i don't but i think our days are numbered in terms of legacy media but it doesn't mean that the principles and the ideals that we uphold and stand for um um should see an end as well i think we should hold on to that and bring that to the new frontier which is social media okay very very interesting and of course as a journalist today with social media everybody kind of takes on the 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 work of journalist with the use of their phone or their, their computers and do you think that that is that more dangerous than it is helpful because in the past it has proven to help in certain situation denounce certain truths and certain things but it can also be very dangerous because everybody can have an opinion and you also talk about that in in your mm. speech so does it bring a new lens through which people can examine things for their own or is it just another use for propaganda Mm. I think really it depends upon the person, right? Where that person is coming from. I mean, of course if you're in it for propaganda, you're just in it for propaganda, right? You're not even going to use critical thinking to look at it in any which lens, right? Um that you that you want to look at it through. Um so it depends upon that. Um but as I mentioned a while ago, be at the end of the day you got to talk about accountability and responsibility i mean when you use social media um there has to be some sort of responsibility right there whether you're a journalist whether you're a citizen journalist whether you're just a regular citizen there is responsibility there and accountability as well um responsibility in a way that you know you use it you have to use it for good right but we know what's happening right now even good is subjective like what's good for me for example isn't necessarily good for the other pe- person that's sitting right beside me so then we go to accountability who are you accountable to um when you use that uh, when when you forward a meme or uh, or something um i am very i'm very strict with myself uh when when it comes to the use of social media precisely because of the influence that i yield i don't want to i don't want to use it um so carelessly right that 
it sways one person this way or that. My objective is only to make sure that I forward further um, any discussion or opinion that they might be having within themselves so that at the end of the day, they're going to get closer to the opinion that they want to form, right? It's not for me to say... It's not for me to say that you have to think that, you know, this way is is the better way, right? Ultimately, it's that person, it that's person's decision. But I just want to make sure that you have everything, right? Every information that you would want to have in order to form that that opinion. So um, I don't know. Did I answer your question about Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I guess that you're right in the way that social media is just a tool and it depends on what we do with it and it and we have to understand that this tool is often biased or influenced Mm -hmm. and that we have to keep our critical critical thinking when we use it Mm -hmm. oh yes by the way and that's yeah, by the way, I have to say though that bias bias is not necessarily wrong, right? It's 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 the environment that we grew up with. Um it's it's all these influences that shape our biases, right? Um if biases don't exist, I don't think we can call it a democratic way of doing things, right? If we all think the same way, then that's not democracy anymore. So I think that biases only should contribute to the upliftment of a society and not really to undermine um, rights of, of, of people and, and, and undercut democracy, but it should you know, uplift this democratic space. Thank you. Thank you very much for that answer. Um, Another thing that I wanted to to talk about with you was the press in history. um, We have seen in the past that journalism and the media have obviously a prominent role in history and how it unfolds and what's told of it later. Mm-hmm. It can be used as a shield to kind of rebalance the truth and um, inform the public of the actual fact, but it can also be kind of a weapon to when it's corrupted and used. And uh, as you said, when it's pro- used for propaganda, usually by the people in power. Mm-hmm. So in your, in your speech, you talk a lot about the role of journalists and the press during the regime changes and power handles of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Do you believe the media has always been on the right side of history of your country? Or do you think there has also been downsides and, 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 um, and it has been used as a weapon? Mm-hmm. The long and uh, short answer to that is yes and no. Right? Yes, in the sense that... Um, I don't know if you remember in that speech of mine, we talk about the alternative press later um, given the moniker Mosquito Press, right? These were independent um, publications fueled by 
really the passion of the journalists during that time to strip away at the propaganda being spewed by the Marcus administration then. Um, so to that point, yes, um, it was at the right side of history. But later on, when media organizations started to um, become one of the many business interests of conglomerates, for example, I think that's when it becomes a bit tricky, right? Because we all know the bit big businesses, at the end of the day, they're going to protect their business interests, right? Mm -hmm. And one way to do that is to have a media organization under your umbrella. So you can sort of shape public opinion um, mm -hmm. and, and, and sort of sway it to this way or that, right? So in my talk as well, um, it doesn't appear on my speech, but I talk about I talk about the business muscle that's mm -hmm. being flexed, mm -hmm. that no matter how strong that business muscle can be, and for example, the pressure that the state puts on um, media, if, the, if media is intent on being free and is determined to be free, then no amount of business muscle should be able to put on shackles on media. Um, but it's pretty tricky, Ines. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, we talk about big businesses owning media organizations. Of course, we talk about the salary of media workers, right? And, and where this money is coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, that's sort of, that's where the, the problem lies. I think for as long as media organizations are owned by big businesses, I think the question has to be asked always, is this free? Is this really free? Are we really free when you talk sure. about it? Because, and I, have, I haven't even talked about the political pressure that's put on these big businesses, right? Um, that's whole, that's a whole complicated process. Um, it's a complicated scenario right there. Um, so that when in my speech, knowing fully well that this is the kind of environment that I function in, I've been a broadcast journalist for 27 years now. I marked my 27th year this year. Eyes wide open. I knew it. I knew that this was the environment. I... I never pretended that it's not so, right? So what do you do? What do you do in that kind of an environment? I just make sure that every single time that I'm there, whether it's an hour long show or a 30 minute show mm -hmm. where I'm outside doing an interview, I make sure that I, I'm just right there in the middle, like really front and center asking the questions that need to be asked. And I'm just really at my freest. I talk about that in my speech. Um, and then I just wait, for the call later on from from management saying you went too far yeah, yeah that, that's and also something that that i i wanted to ask you and since you you're talking about it i think it's the mm -hmm. right time to bring it up mm -hmm. was that you've shown multiple times um that you're not afraid of standing up for yourself as asking the questions that Nobody wants to ask, for instance, mm -hmm. during the interview you did with um, Carnate Montemayor in, um, mm -hmm. in the extract that you showed in your talk. Mm -hmm. um, it shows that you often denounce and point fingers at people that don't really want to be pointed out. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever felt pressured by whether it's political associations or, or big uh, firms or... I don't know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yes. 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 Um, but I think if you know your truth and you know what you're standing up for, right? Um, you know your truth and you know what you're standing up for. Anything for the most part, because I've been in this industry for almost 30 years and they've known that I've had no political agenda except for country and my people. They know where I'm coming from. I think it's easier. It's easier to, and I've been observing this, I think it's easier to exert pressure on someone when you know that they're functioning as a mouthpiece mouthpiece for or against a candidate, mm. right? Or if they have any personal agenda, I think it's easier to exert pressure on those kinds of people. Um, I'm just saying it's easier. I'm not saying that I don't feel pressure. I do every, every single day, right? Um, so I just go in and then I just do my job. And then as I said, and then I just, I just wait for my call. Um, but I have to be honest with you, Ines, it, 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 it sort of casts self doubt at point at, at, at certain points. And you have to be strong enough to sort of counter that self doubt because it sort of dulls your, your journalistic process. Right. Cause then you second guess, the, um, it only needs one it only needs one call to the principal's office to sort of begin that self-doubt and second guessing mm-hmm. um in a journalist's life right mm-hmm. um i'm not going to be so brazen and arrogant to say that it doesn't affect me it does um but what do i do with that right what do i do with that mm-hmm. um on one hand, you can say that I could very well just face them head on and just, you know, not not mind them and just do away with my own, just just do what do I have what to do, think. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but but the reality is, I belong to a big organization, right? And I I wouldn't have stayed with my home network if I didn't love it. I mean, it's my second home. So this mm-hmm. is also my home that we're talking about here. Um, I am organic to the organization. So there's something to be said about that too. So I'm not one who would just focus on myself and do what I think is right without any consideration for my home, right? This is the longest relationship I've had outside <laughs> of my own family and even my husband, mm-hmm. right? So there's something that's um, that can be said about that. So what do I do with that then? It only forces me to be more creative with my processes and how I ask questions so that I could still get to the point without, I think, being abrasive and without... And, and, and really just honing my skills so I so the focus is on the issue mm-hmm. on the issue and nothing else and, and that's actually very very you were talking about how you also even if you speak up and do what you think is right you also take into account the consequences that that could be mm-hmm. and we've seen in the past and you talk about it a lot in in your speech that um Most of the time, what prevents people from speaking up is fear 
And in history, in the Philippines history, people that spoke up have been, and channels and journalists that spoke, spoke up have been reprimanded in the past. So how, how are you not scared to do what you do when you could possibly be reprimanded, like you said, many have been before you or your channel or anything like that? Mm. I think, Ines, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm prepared to lose my job and I'm prepared to walk away at any given time. Mm -hmm. um, I am not... There is fear, yes, but eyes wide open all the time, right? So if you know that that's... But, but I'm very, very sure of myself mm -hmm. that... I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? So for as long as I'm able to do it, either they haven't fired me or I haven't walked away from it, it doesn't, it doesn't um, subtract from my resolve to, to do my duty for country and her people. I'm, that, that's a non-negotiable for me. So for as long as I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm just there. That's why I also mm -hmm. I, I, I also tell um, young journalists, campus journalists, to make sure that you're financially independent and you're living within your means so that money is not part of the equation, but it's your duty all the time, mm -hmm. right? It shouldn't be a consideration for you to keep on doing your duty for country. Um, that's what I tell them all, all the time. And that's why I'm, 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 I, eyes wide open. Um, when, mm -hmm. like, for example, I do my broadcast now and let's say, let's say a politician exerts pressure on management. For example, this is just an example. I'm not saying that this is happening, but mm -hmm. just as an example, I'm doing my job now. I do an interview. Politician gets, um, um, gets slighted, goes to management and, management and says, I don't like what she did. Management decides to fire me right then and there. It's okay. You, you wouldn't mind um, doing a greater sacrifice for what you believe in. And, and I think that's, that's kind of what the work of a journalist is about, to not, to not lose this kind of sense to just bring the truth and that's the the, mm. the, the, the biggest part of a journalist's purpose really because mm. because really I don't have to have I mean I'm thankful that I've had my home network the same one for 27 years right but if and when it happens um, it's going to be my choice right? To either continue to 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 continue to stay and 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 do what I can for country in this organization or take it somewhere else, right? I think I think I've gotten to uh, that point in my career when I can say this is not about me. It's never been mm. about me. It's, it's always bigger. a. It's bigger. And that's also what I ask, um, wh what I talk about when I talk to like um, young journalists. I, I always tell them, you have to know your why. 
you have first of all you have to know who you are and you have to know why you're in this profession because if you give me an answer any other answer save for it's for country then you're not you're in the wrong profession because that has to be the only the only reason right um because it's a pretty it's a pretty tricky profession you have to you know you, your core is going to get swayed a lot of times so you have to make sure that that core is yeah that core is Solid. strong yeah yeah of course and and well that's very very interesting there's i, I have i found a quote doing some research uh, from thomas jefferson that says mm -hmm. our liberty depends on the freedom of the press and that cannot be limited without being lost. And I, mm. I, I think that I kind of resonated with your speech and, and with your actions in general and what you stand, stand up for. And I, I was thinking about, as you explained in your talk, the dictatorship of um, Ferdinand Marcos had a huge mm -hmm. impact on the press in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And do, do you think that that is something that the media and the press um, can or has totally recovered from or do you think that there will always be remains uh, of that period of history and you will always have to kind of keep fighting um even in in present times mm -hmm. of course absolutely um but you know uh, one thing you know you have to know about my country we have a very short memory right and um um For the press, yes, that memory should should always live in our hearts and in our minds, right? Um, but we can only do so much. If the public that we serve don't know anymore why we're supposed to be here, why we exist, then we have a problem right there. Um, I don't know if you know, but... The period that you talked about was during Marcos Sr.'s time. His son now is our president. I know. Right? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, although he hasn't been um, antagonistic towards Philippine press now, um, you have to remember that during the campaign and until he won the presidency, he controlled the narrative without really giving access Um, to media to to really cover and engage him and interview him and, and interview him and and probe his his thoughts right so he was able to do that during the campaign and actually won the presidency um, by just giving out vlogs right mm -hmm. um, having a direct access to his followers without the media really not being able to challenge him right but. Um, as I as I'm, I've said in in my speech, you know that's the reality. Now, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Right? What do we do? Um, we just have to be relentless uh, to make sure that the public that we serve gets the information that they deserve. Um, But it's been it's been it's been hard, especially after the demonization of the media under President Duterte's time. We've lost the trust of majority of the public. They'd rather rely on vloggers and mm. disinformation spewers 
And I think now there has to be a period of introspection on the part of Philippine media as to why it's happening, right? We can't just say, oh, they trust them more than, hmm. um, than, they, than they do us and, and therefore there's something wrong with them. No, I think there's something wrong with us too. Um, we have to examine ourselves why we're losing the trust of the public as well. Because for sure, because for sure, if the public was, if the public's trust in us was really solid, then the demonization of Duterte during his time of media wouldn't have had that space, right? It wouldn't have had that opportunity to creep into their consciousness if that was solid, if their, if their view of us and trust in us was solid. There were cracks there, and we have to examine what started those cracks. And it's, it's a painful process for us, right? Um, because we were now realizing that all this time, we were talking above the public whom we were wanting to serve. We weren't really looking at issues through their eyes, we thought that they should know we thought that these are the issues that they should know about and that they should believe us for it mm -hmm. without thinking of what they wanted to know about exactly so, for, so uh, the uh, media and, and and the population kind of get lost in translation during that process is that or th what there you was said a, yeah there's there's a disconnect for example just mm -hmm. a brief example here when we talk about the drug war for example under mm -hmm. Um, former President Duterte's time, when the deaths were mounting, right? Um, media then, as well as other organizations, human rights organizations, both local and abroad, were talking about human rights and how this is not right, how these deaths are not right. But then when you see it from where these deaths are happening, you will now understand that these people don't really care about human rights because their basic instinct is safety. Mm. And for them, since the drug pusher around the corner um, is gone, either he was killed or abducted or whatever, they now feel safe. Um, so they, they can't think about human rights when they, all they can think of now is, is, is safety for them, that they're able to walk the streets in the dead of the night to go home or they're they're now able to feel that their daughter is 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 safe from harm because there's no threat of the daughter getting raped or getting you know um threatened by the drug pusher down the street so it's that kind of see the disconnect there we were here talking mm -hmm. above their heads but these were the issues that they really wanted help in right so so that's um there's a period of adjust adjustment right there, but it's happening, right? It is happening. And we're now in, for my organization, at least we're now in the process of being there where the disinformation is happening. Um, but even that, but even that is some, it, 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 it's a, it's a big project because um, they believe most people mm. believe this information, right? So um that's that's a process that it's it, when you know we're not kidding ourselves here um disinformation has years ahead of us so we're trying to catch up
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. I have one last question. Sure. It is, I guess it is a little, well, it's, it's multiple questions, but it's the same subject. It's, sure. um, it's about your career and how a lot of students at McGill um, consider pursuing a, car a career in journalism in their future uh, professional life. So wh what made you choose this career path? What motivated you to become a journalist? And now that you are and that you've had all this career, um, do you see things differently or from a different angle um, now? And mm -hmm. last part of my question is, if you could give any advice um, to young journalists in the making all around the world, um, from what you have learned, what, what would it be? Mm. Okay, first of all, I think I didn't find journalism. I think journalism found me. I think the base of my existence in this profession is that I come from a family of rights defenders and activists, right? So that I knew whether it whichever profession I ended up in, that it was going, it had to have something to do with love for country and her people. So that's my foundation. I didn't want to be a journalist. I, um, I took up film at university, but eventually I ended up in journalism just because it was near the house. The station was near the house and my mom was fearful, you know, that, you know, I might get into an accident and all that. She felt that it was safer if I just um, worked close by. So that was the start of that. I wasn't really, you know, I I didn't know. Unlike 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 the journalism students that we have now and those that have crossed paths with, I'm I'm not like them who knew from the very beginning that they wanted to be journalists. Right? I found myself in that environment, and through the years. I started to see the connection, right? This love for country, this um, the principles that I was raised with um, had its place. It was like the perfect union. It right? made sense. It made sense for me. It made sense for me. And 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 I tell you, Ines, I, as I said, I'm almost in the thirty year mark. And there's not a day that I felt that I've worked. Um, it's just really a, a, a marriage of, of passion and interest and fun for me. Uh, right. So, um, but it was an evolution. It wasn't like a one time, big time thing. And I think because this is my character and this is who I am, I think it had to, ha it had to be this way for me. Um, that I had, that I grew into my role as opposed to, you know, this is, this is your role and therefore you have mm -hmm. to do this and that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious that I'm not the one who would like just follow rules without mm. even questioning or thinking about it. Right. So I had to like, it ha I had to grow into it. Um, so, but, but that's my, my own personal um, story and that's my personal evolution and I know different uh, budding journalists um, have their own have their own uh, genesis story as well um, 
but but the hope is this no matter the perspective or no matter the starting point right um the core should remain the same that you have to have a higher purpose it's not about you mm. you know it it's got to be about something else as i said a while ago first you have to know who you are because that will greatly dictate why you're in it right because because this this is something else you know this whatever output you have will affect other people um most especially your country right so you can't just do it for me you can't just be in this um in this industry without really doing it for country there's no other there's no other reason um i tell myself this is one test that i always um give myself or i ask myself one question um let's say there's an issue if i touch it or don't touch it or discuss it or not discuss it or if there's a question that should be asked or not asked i always ask myself one question and that's whose interest will it serve hmm. right and the answer should always be it's the public's interest because other than that you know you're in trouble you know i that that's like that's not that's outside of my core already but if the answer is it's the public's interest then i go for it okay there okay well thank you very much uh for allowing us to interview you this was very a very rich conversation um i appreciate it and um yes i think uh we can say goodbye uh, to the people listening to us Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me Ines and to all the future journalists out there. You keep the faith. It's not it's not going to be easy, but for as long as you do it for country and her people, you're not going to go astray and you'll always have that core and that core will point you towards the right direction always. So thank you for having me today. Thank you very much.